This is Nikos from Greece. Welcome to show. We have happy show for you today. Very good show for the people. Actually, it's not Nikos. You thought it was. But uh, that was just our little, our little fun in our advertising. Welcome to the Daily Objective. If you're joining us on audio, uh, I was holding up one of the fabulous items from the Ayn Rand Center store. This is a huge picture of what looks like a Greek God. And you know what? We have a Greek God with us. God, of course, in quotes, and that is Nikos Sopirokapakapalokobogos. Nikos, great to see you. And, and we've got a wonderful uh, studio audience around here. By studio audience, I mean my fiance in the other room and the maid. Uh, but we've got an active super chat audience. That's even more important. I see Robert, Marilene, Robin, Sammy is bored again. So make us part of your day by contributing on Super Chat. That's how you kind of show the love. Keep the windows and the lights on. Thank you, Marilene, already getting us going here. And Nikos, we've got a great topic today. A really, um, as they say, rip for the headlines topic. Um, should we get into it? Yeah, and it's one of these topics that gives it can give you a lot of insights to, to the culture today, and it can give you a lot of insights to the world we live in. So I've said totally. it many times, and people think I'm kidding. I think the smoking ban and the way people and businesses accepted the smoking ban was one of the biggest symbolic moments in the decline of freedom and the decline of, yeah, let's say of freedom right. in the West in the last decades. Exactly because it was so popular, exactly because most people agree that, yeah, smoking is not so good. It was... It, it basically opened from the back door the idea that, yeah, the state knows better what is for you and there is no such thing as private property. And we can all agree that, this is what I hate, this phrase, we can all agree that, blah, blah, blah. And today we're going to see its logical conclusion. Today we're going to see its peak. Today we're going to see its philosophical uh, creation. Let's say the, the moving embodiment, as Ayn Rand would say, of, uh, of the modern businessman. That's, that's a great observation. So we'll, we're gonna kind of take it all the way around, talk a bit about Ayn Rand's perspective, what her perspective might've been on this issue and ours as well. But let's bring our audience who might not have heard a bit of it, uh, a little bit up to speed. You know, Nikos, it's not just about, as you said, the kind of cigarette bans now in, in, in bars and restaurants. Uh, this is from uh, the Guardian of just a couple of days ago, tobacco firm, Philip Morris, calls for ban on cigarettes within decade. The chief executive of tobacco business, Philip Morris, has called on the UK government to ban cigarettes within a decade, a move that would outlaw its own Marlboro brand. Jacek Okazlik said that the company could see the world without cigarettes, and actually the sooner it happens, the better it is for everyone. And you know, it, when it, whenever you hear that, the better it is for everyone, you know, that little uh, antenna of altruism just picks up. But, you know, we'll just start here, Nikos. You know, what do you make of this as the head of a, of a tobacco company, not just announcing that they're gonna get out of the tobacco business. We're, they're calling for a ban on tobacco, ban on cigarettes, which yeah. is a much different animal altogether. So there are three comments here. First, it's gonna be better for everyone. Sorry, it's not gonna be better for me. I enjoy the occasional very, very rarely, but I enjoy the occasional cigarette. It happens to be, unfortunately, now I've... Shame, 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 Shonda. I mean, that's you're treated like a, a, a leper these days because you have a cigarette now and then. 
Shame. Yeah, and of course, again, I know that cigarettes have killed perhaps more people than Genghis Khan. I know that I have constant fights with people in my family because I try to persuade them not to smoke. So on a personal level, on a personal level, I'm very against smoking, particularly if you smoke, if you smoke too much. But on this thing, when he says everyone's going to be better off, sorry, I'm not going to be better off. Let me choose what I'm going to be better off. That's the first thing. But there's a second idea there that our very clever friend Razi, who should be in front of the camera way more often because his ideas is better than he thinks they are, gave me a very interesting insight yesterday. He said, this is an insult to the customer because it says, it says to the customer that you're stupid. It tells to the customer that you are so stupid that although the whole world knows and has known for decades that smoking is bad for you, you still don't get it. And you still don't get it by the fact that the government puts up the price and all that stuff. So now the only way you stupid plebs to get it is for the government to ban it because you're so dumb that there's no other way for you to understand what is good for you than literally the government telling you by force, basically force on the company, not straight on you that no, you cannot smoke. So and also what if you think that the world's going to be better off without cigarettes, close your company or resign or do something else. So I want to go through his, uh, his, uh, his statement because I found a lot of interesting things. So he said, and, and let me just interrupt you one second to yeah, thank yeah, sure. Mary Lean for another generous super chat. Toxoplasma Gandhi for five US dollars. Thank you guys so much for giving us the intellectual ammunition uh, to keep us going with uh, integrating Ayn Rand's philosophy with so many of these rip from the headlines topics. Go for it, Nico. So he says, give them a choice of smoke-free alternative. He takes about the, the people. Parenthesis, they already have smoke-free alternatives. So what does it mean, give them a choice? They already have a choice. They can Google it. They can walk to the shop. To the, there's like every corner, there are vaping stores. There are alternatives. I found actually the other day on Amazon, tobacco without uh, nicotine. Not great, but anyway. So there are alternatives. What does it mean? We need to help people find alternatives. The alternatives are already there. Then he says, with the right regulation and information, it can happen 10 years from now in some countries. What can happen 10 years from now in some countries? Again, people can already make up their minds. You can solve the problem once and forever. And when he says you can solve, it means you can bring the, the power of coercion and solve the problem one and forever. And again, I want this to settle in. This is a CEO that is inviting the government to use basically the threat of force against his, against his company. Now, quite often, Jonathan, I've been in trouble, so to speak, among objectivist friends when I say that, sorry, but I have zero sympathy for such businessmen. So when the next government or when the next person who is a power luster or when the next socialist-leaning president or the next socialist-leaning bureaucrat gets for whatever you want to substitute tobacco for, you're not going to have my sympathy. You're going to have my political sympathy. But I, I dev devil's advocate, though, and you know, Mary Lean asks Nikos, "Is this to get them off the hook with stockholders?" You know, I mean, we and again, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but we live in a mixed economy. That's a given. Um, you know, uh, in, and in fact, as you said, they're pursuing alternatives. This is. Uh, again, from the Guardian, tobacco firms 
like Philip Morris is pushing the IQOS, a cigarette device that heats tobacco without the smoke. So, you know, they're getting into those alternatives. But so to answer Marilyn's question, it's just basically to kind of save face with stockholders or why would stockholders insist that they get out of a business that still is profitable for them? Okay, so that person thinks that IQOS, by the way, I, I'm in Greece, IQOS are very popular. Guess what? Whenever smoking is banned, IQOS is banned. So this person probably thinks that the central planners and the bureaucrats now are going to be happy and they're going to say, oh, good. Now that you are presenting these, what's that? I'm just having a drink. That's a huge it's, bottle. It's, uh... Haven't they banned this already? <laughs> Hasn't we got too much sugar? Please. <laughs> so the central planner is going to say, they think the central planner is going to say, good, now I'm tapping you in the back because now you promote a healthy lifestyle. Guess what? Just the other day, literally two days ago, what do we hear from the World Health Organization? Here's a tweet. The aerosols from e-cigarettes contain toxic substances that can cause cancer, cardiovascular diseases, lung disorders, damage to children's brain development. So this is about the vaping products. By the way, Christopher Snowden, who wants to dig a bit deeper to this non-state initiatives, he dug a deep deeper in this research, and it's basically, notice the language, it can cause. We have zero, zero, basically zero proof that it does, but it can cause. So what is the one product that has moved more people away from smoking? It's not the regulations, it's things like vaping. And what do the power lasters, the central planners do? They have come down on vaping as well. They've put limits on how much nicotine there can be in vaping. Uh, they ban vaping in closed areas because their excuses, again, see how, see how stupid they think they are. It's difficult to recognize vaping from smoking. No. If you've been around someone who vapes and hammers to smoke for two seconds, it's very easy to recognize the difference. So this person thinks, again, that they're going to appease the central planners. They're going to appease the governments, they're going to appease the bureaucrats of this world, and they're going to be left off the hook. Now, when they come for you, and again, now that you've given them basically the right, that they have a right to ban, to regulate, when they do so, to use iron rods, and, and because, rather you ask for it. Isn't that kind of why, you know, people who try to counter these arguments about banning smoking or vaping, they say, you know, people who use the... the the non-moral argument, the practical argument, they say, like, look, I mean, I have a vape too, and it's it's pretty, at least for me, a little bit of that high, if you will, with with so little less of all the other stuff used. It's it's efficient, it's clean, it's like a it's like the difference between 300 baud modem and Ethernet, if you can imagine what you remember that that was. You know, like it's it's huge technology, but as you said, it's not about you can't argue about it on the basis of the technology, or you have to argue on the moral basis, right? The exactly. idea that, as you said, stockholders have a right to invest or not invest. But what what the Philip Moore CEO is doing, you know, let's bring it back to Rand for one brief moment. She wrote a whole incredible essay about this. Um, look up the pull peddlers from Capitalism: The Unknown Ideal. And she talks about exactly this. And, you know, Rand is a friggin' genius. So over and over again, she's like talking about stuff that happened, you know, she, she could have been writing this today. Lobbying is the activity of attempting to influence legislation by privately influencing the legislators. Like, 
going in the Guardian and calling for something. It is a result in creation of a mixed economy of government by pressure groups. Its methods rage from mere social courtesies and cocktail party luncheons, friendships to favors, threats, and bribes, all that part of the mixed economy. And I would really recommend, Nikos, I know you would, our audience to check out the pull peddlers, Ms. Rand's uh, essay in capitalism and also her address that was given, I believe at Ford Hall Forum. Uh, uh, no, it was a radio economy, a radio address. So check that out as well. So it's, it's pull peddling, right? That's what this is about. And it would be so simple to solve this, so simple. Here is a bar. It has a, with big letters on the front door, smoking is allowed here, which means if you have a child, you don't want to expose it to smoke, don't bring it here. If you don't want to expose yourself in smoke, don't bring it here. And I have a lot of people saying, don't I have the right to have a coffee in a place without smoke? The answer is, I'm sorry, but no, you don't have the quote right. You have the right if someone provides you this someone has the right to provide you this service and you can ask to deal with him on a profit-for-profit, win-win basis. It's like me saying, haven't got the right for a cafe that plays partisan songs at two o'clock in the morning? No, if someone provides it and I go there and I enjoy that, if that's my thing, good for me. But no, you don't have, quote, a right to a cafe with a clean air without, uh, without cigarette smoke, particularly if you are warned that if you enter this, there's going to be smoke. I also have something from Rand. It's from Atlas Rag, but let's hear. No, no, no. I mean, uh, this whole whole conversation makes me think of something that Don Watkins, who's part of the Ayn Rand Center UK, who's a really an amazing thinker. Don, you know, he's just super smart. He let this one out like at Ocon, like literally over a coffee years ago. He's like, a business isn't owned by the public just because it's used by the public. And, you know, that is what I think objectivism really stresses, you know, that importance of private property property, and, uh, you know, we could go on and on with that. But as you said, I mean, your house, your rules, and this whole notion of you have a right to a, a good or service that has to be provided by someone else, I mean, kind of gets to the heart of Rand's whole notion of rights and kind of pulls the rug out under this whole idea that any consensual action should be banned. And now we took mostly the, let's say, the rights part, but there's something for perhaps even more depressing. And it's the moral cowardice of the businessman, the moral cowardice of the CEO. And it's what Ayn Rand called the sanction of the victim. Actually, this is not even the sanction of the victim. This is the open invitation of the victim to say, come and destroy me. Come and use force against me. This is it. And it reminded me a scene from Atlas Rugged. So if you remember that Atlas Rugged, Hank Reardon at some point goes on trial for doing, a, some, for doing a business deal that is against one of their crazy uh, regulations. Directive. They're, yeah, one of the directives. And Reardon gets a, has a very brave stance in the trial. And actually he wins because he, the, the central panel realizes, okay, we can't, we, we can't mess with this guy. After the trial and besides his, despite his triumph, businessmen are a bit uncomfortable with that. And we have a very beautiful scene. He's in a, in a dinner or something with businessmen. And here what the brothers in spirit of the, CEO, of the Philip Morris CEO are telling him. Quote, in my opinion, Reardon, it was extremely unwise of you. It seems to me that this is hardly the time to make enemies. 
we can't afford to arouse resentment. Whose resentment? Ask Reed, then someone else. Well, I don't know. We've been trying hard not to give any grounds for all those accusations about selfish greed. And you've given ammunition to the enemy. Would you rather, says Reader, agree with the enemy that you have no right to your profits and your property? Someone else says, oh, no, no, certainly not. But why go to extremes? There's always a middle ground. A middle ground between you and your murderer. And then comes another guy. It's no time to boast about being rich when the populace is starving. It's just goading them on to size everything. But, says Reardon, telling them that you have no right to your wealth while they have, is, what's going, is this what's going to restrain them? And then one, someone else jumped in the discussion. I don't like the thing you said at the trial, said another man. In my opinion, I don't agree with you at all. Personally, I'm proud to believe that I am working for the public good, not just for my own profit. I like to think that I have some goal higher than just earning man, my three meals a day and a ham on limousine. And here comes another business one. And I don't like the idea about no directives and no controls. I grant you, they're running hog wild and overdoing it, but no controls at all? I don't go along with that. I think some controls are necessary, the ones which are for the public good. And Reardon beautifully replies to all of them. I'm sorry, gentlemen, that I will be obliged to save your goddamn necks along with mine. And that's exactly what I was thinking when I was, uh, when I was reading uh, this uh, piece of uh, news and when I, was, uh, when I was reading this statement by the CEO of Philip Morris. Nikos, thank you so much for quoting that. I mean, I think what we're trying to do here is not just, you know, opine on politics, but help integrate Ayn Rand's ideas, show you how relevant and exciting they are even today. You know, here's an author, you know, that died already, what, 35, almost 40 years ago. Her books are still bestsellers. And this, to me at least, is why. is like she not only foresaw some of this, but commented and, and has evaluated. She's chewed on so much of this. And so thank you, Nikos, for bringing it back to Atlas. And you know, people read Atlas and they always say, oh my God, this one reminds me so much of this person in my life. So when you read those scenes and you know, we've got some great uh, conversation on our super chat here, Bonnie Bertrand, she talks about what a beautiful scene that is. Chandler, Hugh, Mary Aline, Scott is com uh, complimenting you on that excellent passage, Nikos. And it is really inspiring. And, and you know, Reardon's attitude is inspiring in that. And, uh, you know, you talked about the sanction of the victim, the Philip Morris guy, and, and kind of echoes so much of what those other businessmen are talking about. You know, it makes me think of the opportunity too that's missed. Um, you know, quickly share, you know, people might remember if you're kind of old enough, the old national uh, cash register. You know, these were at least in America, the turn of the century, every business had a really, you see, because ornate, I'm showing this on our screen now, ornate, beautiful cash register from National Cash Register. And you know what? Just like tobacco, culture changed. Somebody on the Super Chats talking about, you know, culture changes. And yeah, culture changed. And the business at National Cash Register changed too. You know, they went into the new issue uh, thing of computers and ecos back in the, the 50s and 60s, those huge mainframes. National, now it was called. They dropped the cash register. 
Then in the 70s and 80s, they kind of, now they're in like other types of computers, little mainframes. And now we're here in the 2000s and they're doing the stuff, check out things at the, uh, you know, at the grocery store. So, you know, Philip Morris, if they want to change, adapt, you know, they've been buying cannabis companies. That, great. I mean, that's a great opportunity. But to call for that government intervention just sickens the whole pile. And if I was a shareholder, I would be, I'm not, but I would be selling immediately, not because of the future of cigarettes, but because of, you know, and frankly, you saw that with GE. You know, GE was a leading company for decades, innovative company, up until the time that, and I actually I have a timeline, I want to bore you now, but if you want to see it, up until the time that Jeff Immelt, the CEO, just like this one, started getting in bed with government, oh, getting deals, and they were going to be the wind power and solar power, it became all about pull peddling, and the company's stock went down has never been as high as it was before that started. And there are many other companies that came around then, for example, provided the uh, products that are pure tobacco, organic tobacco, tobacco without the chemicals. Now, none of these things is entirely, no, not even entirely. None of these things is good for your health, okay? But they're better without the chemicals, so to speak. So, But notice that because of all these stupid regulations, you can't even, in, in this country, they have this plain packaging and they have all these rules that, you cannot even figure out, okay, is this actually organic or is this not organic? Remember when at some point they banned uh, titles like Marlboro Light because they said that the term light is misleading. No, it's not misleading. Unless you think you refer to people with the mind of a broccoli, it's not misleading. Light means the taste is lighter. It doesn't mean it's light in terms of it's healthier. So there are all these regulations that actually make it even more difficult for someone who wants to try and find, I wouldn't say healthier, a less damaging alternative to smoking, like organic tobacco or tobacco without nicotine or vaping or the IQOS, uh, which are definitely better because they don't release uh, they don't release much smoke. But my final message to Philip Morris: You've persuaded me. I'm never going to buy any of your products again. So thank you for letting me know that you don't want me to do business with you. I'll take this at heart. Never again am I buying your products. I have one and a half more packet when this is done. Bye-bye. Well, and I want to I want to invite our audience to continue this conversation with us on, on the Super Chat because there's, or on, um, what do they call Clubhouse? Because there's so many interesting ways that we're going to tackle this. You know, the, you know, part of what this idea, Nikos, you just touched on is this little idea of like, well, should you not do something if it's unhealthy? You know, should you, I won't even say as an objectivist, but like, is it irrational to do something that is unhealthy, that is even proven as scientifically unhealthy? I mean, you know, Nikos, you say you have a cigarette now and then, and if anyone who's ever looked at your Instagram account um, would never say that you're unhealthy because you have got a mind, what is that thing from a working girl, a mind for philosophy and a Let's just say a bod for sin, as they say. I mean, you're you are about as fit as I know. Uh, Thank you. You're an amazingly it's... fit guy. So to say that you're unhealthy because you have a cigarette now and then is the thing is it insane. has to be it has to be integrated to use like the the philosophy lingo. It has to be integrated. So if you have a cigarette, for example, on a moment where it helps you to relax, or it helps you to to think better, or it or or, or you celebrate something, or it relaxes you from something. It can be integrated while recognizing that, look, I know this is not good. I know that this is not healthy. I know that this one cigarette 
But I haven't got this problem. I don't, I'm not afraid that the one is going to become 10. I can control it. So the, but yeah, the I mean, I, the I like cookies, day, you know, it's like I have cookies pretty regularly. I also work out, I burn them off. Maybe I'd be 10 pounds lighter if I didn't have cookies, but you know what? I want them part of my life. So I'm going to make it work. I'm going to, you know, and if it's, you know, you, you could stay inside and just drink water and avoid all risk and pleasure in life. But as you said, I mean, it's, you know, it's part of a, as they say, healthy, balanced lifestyle. Good. Have we got anything else? Yes. Well, it's 7 p.m. UK time. Keep it tuned right here. I mean, what the Ayn Rand Center UK is, is basically bringing you the salons of a former era to your screen for pennies a day. At 7 p.m. UK time, James Valiant, he's going to be right here discussing Ayn Rand's essay, Representation Without Authorization. Again, like perfect rip from the headlines, you know, apply these ideas. At 9 p.m. on Radio Ragnar, Lee Pearson, who is really a fascinating guy on introspecting introspection. And I've had dinner with Lee and Shoshana Milgram. I went to the uh, Farnsworth house in Plano, uh, uh, Plano, Illinois with them. Really smart, sharp guy who often kind of contrasts with convention, even with objectivism. So get on with Lee Pearson at 9 p.m. on Radio Ragnar. And then next Tuesday, Nikos, you've been doing a hell of a job um, moderating these debates with your own. You know, I think you're very fair. I think you're very authentic and you give them space, but you also allow, so you're doing, it's not an easy job. You're doing great with that. And next Tuesday, your own will debate Darren Grimes on conservatism, good or bad. And, you know, Nico's, according to most people, we're conservatives. So uh, he's just he's anxious to see what, both Darren and and, uh, and your own say. And also want to remind everyone to go to store, buy shirt with Nikos. Don't hesitate to buos it for the show. Nikos's shirt is available at the Ayn Rand Center UK. Support what we're doing. Support bringing Ayn Rand's ideas to the UK and all around the world. And, a shirt and not sanctioned. A shirt tolerated, but not sanctioned by me. Let's put it this way. <laughs> Thank you, Nikos, always from your perspective. Thanks to all of our super chatters. Uh, and join us now on Clubhouse. We'll meet you there momentarily. And always keep it here, keep it shared, keep it bright, and keep it light on the Ayn Rand Center UK. Thank you.